brought in for the inauguration took that charge literally as they shoveled out the nearly 200 cars that had been abandoned in the snow on Pennsylvania Avenue. They succeeded in clearing the way for the inauguration and were right on schedule on a platform in front of the Capitol, Kennedy delivered his enormously and justly famous inaugural address in the clear cold. The fame of Kennedy's greatest line, Ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country, has overshadowed the fact that the first issue, foreign or domestic, that John F. Kennedy brought up in his inaugural address was poverty. For man holds in his mortal hands the power to abolish all forms of human poverty, he said reading the second sentence of the second paragraph of the 1,366-word script after he had dispensed with the salutations. Kennedy returned to the theme three further times in the 14-minute address. At the four-minute mark, he said, If a free society cannot help the many who are poor, it cannot save the few who are rich. A moment later, Speaking of our sister republic south of our border, he called for a new alliance for progress to assist free men and free governments in casting off the chains of poverty. And five minutes after that, he called on the nation to bear the burden of a long twilight struggle, a struggle against the common enemies of man, tyranny, poverty, disease, and war itself. As Kennedy had composed the speech with the help of his aide, Theodore Sorensen, in the weeks prior to the inauguration, he had told Sorensen to identify and apply the secret of Abraham Lincoln's Gettysburg Address. One of those secrets was addressing the most pressing concerns of the moment, and it was no accident that Kennedy devoted comparatively so many precious words to poverty in an inaugural address that he was determined to make a historic one. At the time of his inauguration, nearly five and a half million Americans were out of work, eligible for an average of $31 a week for half a year in unemployment insurance. The recession responsible for the growing unemployment of January 1961 had hit the previous April, the month before Kennedy stunned the political establishment by winning the Democratic primary in West Virginia, and the recession itself was only half of the problem with the American economy. The other half was that it was neither unprecedented nor surprising. Recessions were becoming rather the norm over this part of an era that we often today refer to as post-war prosperity. The 1960-61 recession came on the heels of two that had already occurred during the eight years of the Eisenhower administration. At the time of Kennedy's inauguration, in January 1961, the United States had spent 27 of the previous 90 months in economic contraction. Yes, when Kennedy entered office, Americans had spent 30% of the previous eight years in recession.
this figure is so unusually large that it is difficult to find comparable periods in all of American history. For example, from 2000 to 2015, not a particularly good economic era, the economy was in recession for 26 months, or 14% of the time. From 1983 to 2000, the United States was in recession for all of eight months, 4% of the time. That the 1950s were not years of consistently expansive, ever-blooming prosperity is a surprise to many Americans who are given to think that the first full decade after World War II was phenomenal economically perhaps the greatest era of prosperity that there ever was. According to popular lore, in the 1950s, jobs were abundant. They paid well. They were for life. You could raise a big family, afford a